Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 222 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight. At Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter, joined by my co-host Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are you doing tonight? Uh, doing well. Ready to uh, officially be done with the season. Uh, we are here at the worst bye week of all time, a week yeah. 14 bye. Um, I don't know why the NFL got so cute with that, but you know, we're just ready to fast forward throughout the rest of the season as we would <laughs> Madden at this point. Well, you know, there could be some interesting things to look forward to over the last four games, and we're going to talk about one of the big ones, of course, right off the top of the show with the quarterback discussion, and there's been a lot of takes out there uh, lately about that quarterback situation, so we're obviously going to dedicate a lot of time to that. What's up, Paul Mack, Corey Carter, how you guys doing? <laughs> Braves number one, of course, asks the question again, is it Ritter time yet? And we will dive into that Uh for a good portion of today's show, uh, talking about sort of, I think, I don't want to speak for Adnan, but I think we're both very much of the mind that the change will be made. Uh, it's just a matter of when they announce it, not whether it's going to happen or not, but we don't have any insider information and we're not claiming to have any insider information. So, um, this is just our, our opinions. Uh, but you know, we're not going to BS you and pretend that we, that we know stuff. Uh, so Hey, Mark Benton, if it's not Ritter time yet, when is? Well, you know, that's a great question. Uh, definitely something we're going to get to. Uh, right off the top, guys, thank you all for tuning in. We really appreciate everyone for hanging out with us on the Falcoholic Live each and every week. Uh, we have officially started the Senior Bowl fundraiser, so if you're interested in donating this month, uh, donations will go towards the travel for that. Uh, we got off to a good start uh, a couple days ago, so I, I the graphic is now updated to reflect everyone who donated Um like on the weekend. So it should have the correct amount in there. Uh, and yeah, guys, we just really appreciate that. And uh, like and subscribe and all that good stuff. We appreciate that too. And uh, yeah, let's let's get right into the takes. Paul Mack, is Jalen Mayfield gone yet? Well, he did in the one bit of roster news we've had this week. Uh, Jalen Mayfield was officially placed back on season-ending IR. They did not um, activate him during his 21-day window. So... He's on IR for the season. Adnan, I know this is the biggest deal uh, this week is hearing about Jalen Mayfield's status, but it is kind of interesting because going into the, like he started the first day of training camp at left guard and it, se- and it seemed like he never got it back after that day. Um, and since then he has basically not been a factor at all this season. Has that surprised you uh, that we haven't seen Jalen Mayfield or is this sort of something that is not surprising given what we saw last year. 
Uh, not at all. He was the worst starter in the league last year among any offensive lineman. And then I think um, I think that first day, and I'm just speculating here, it was probably he came to training camp and Arthur Smith and Dave Ragone and, you know, uh, the assistant coaches, the offensive assistants probably saw what he had to put forth. Uh, they probably saw that he, you know, likely didn't make any strides at all uh, over the offseason. And they quickly pulled the plug on the Jalen Mayfield project. Now, I don't know if that's for sure what happened, but it's it would make the most sense, to be honest, given the fact that, you know, he was the day one starter. He was rolling with the ones on day one. And then after day one, he just, you know, got kicked to the twos. And then yeah. he struggled with the twos. And, you know, it's just, I uh, I hate putting <laughs> the bust label on anyone in, yeah. in just year two. But I mean, I think it's very safe to say that, yeah, Jalen Mayfield was a pretty big bust. He only he was only a negative for the team overall and uh you know putting him on season ending ir that changes nothing at this point yeah i mean it shows that they wanted to at least keep him around like on the roster because they could have you know if he was healthy enough to play they could have potentially waived him off of ir but i don't think they wanted to do that and the one the one thing i'll say is that with our new offensive line coach, Dwayne Ledford, there actually appears to be development going on with these offensive linemen. I mean, Caleb McGarry has gotten drastically better under Dwayne Ledford. Chris Lindstrom has become, you know, the best guard in the NFL uh, this year. And they've gotten, they've coached up Elijah Wilkinson, who was playing a new position. Colby Gossett's looking like a, qual- like, like a, at least an average, you know, stopgap starter guy. Um, so maybe you have a lot of faith in Dwayne Ledford to potentially, make Jalen Mayfield into a long-term project, which honestly, that's what he should have always been. Like you're converting a guy from tackle who's too small to play tackle in the NFL to guard, which he'd never played before. Um, it was always sort of bizarre to me that they just threw him out there when he clearly wasn't ready. And I don't think that did him any favors mentally or otherwise. Um, but that's the only thing that maybe gives me some hope is that this coaching staff actually looks like they might be able to coach up offensive linemen. So maybe he's only a, a like a backup type of player, and that's not what you want from a third-round pick, obviously. But, um, you know, I'm not willing to say that they'll get nothing out of him. Uh, but I, I would definitely agree with you that we need to recalibrate our expectations for that pick. But um, I know there were people talking today about, like, wanting to drag – Fontenot for the Jalen Mayfield pick and like oh wow he's such a bad GM he picked Jalen Mayfield and I do want to touch on like that briefly and that you're never going to hit on all your draft picks obviously the higher ones carry more significance but I mean you look around at the successful GMs in the league and their hit rate their hit rates like 50 percent maybe 60 percent for the best ones like there's going to be missed picks there's going to be guys that don't pan out for a number of reasons um so I I think uh, I wouldn't drag Fontenot for one miss like in Jalen Mayfield yet, Um, especially when it looks like the other players that people were calling busts, like Richie Grant, you know, that was a little premature, it seems like. So um, don't expect every pick to be a hit, because if you do, you're going to be very disappointed. Now, if you want to expect every day two pick to be a hit, you're going to be disappointed in that too, (laughs) because it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. Like it's rare that you get all of your picks hitting 
Um, you just need to hit on more than you miss, basically, is, is the gist of it, uh, to be a successful GM. So that's sort of my piece on that. But uh, no no getting around the fact that Mayfield's been a pretty big disappointment. Um, but they they liked his, his talent level and thought that I think he could grow coming out of college. He didn't have a lot of experience. So I think it was reasonable to expect that there was a lot of growth potential there but uh so far hasn't panned out and the injury this year uh certainly didn't help things so we'll see how that goes um yes i know everyone's uh mentioning you know the bucks did win on monday night football uh so that definitely puts the playoffs pretty much out of reach i mean we're talking about four percent chance that's that's definitely in the miracle realm um are you holding out any playoff hope at this point adnan or you're just completely ready to turn the page Oh, uh, no. I mean, had the Falcons beaten the Steelers, maybe, yeah. Like, we were talking about the playoffs last week, potentially. Um, this team doesn't deserve to be in any playoff talks at all. This team is 5-8. and eight. Um, If they wanted to be in playoff talks, they should have, you know, not blown that lead against the Saints. Uh, you know, they should have finished better against the, the Chargers. They should have not lost to the Steelers at home. Uh, you know, they should have not gotten embarrassed by the um, Carolina Panthers on prime time. Like, for as much, you know, good as we've seen this season, this team is still and has been a really poor team. Like, overall, like, the talent level isn't there. And, you know, this is a 5-8 and eight team. Like, you are what your record says you are. Um, and honestly... Honestly, I'm glad the Bucks beat the Saints on Monday night because if that didn't happen, if the Saints won, it's funny. Like it's funny seeing it happen to the <laughs> New Orleans Saints. Yeah, yeah. So th- that was very that was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. also, if if the Saints win, and you know, I think the Buccaneers will lose to the Niners next week, I don't care if if Purdy is the starter or not. Like that Niners team is still so stacked you know, at the skill positions and on defense, I think, I think they'll beat the Buccaneers. Um, You know, I don't think that that would be a huge shock if Tampa wins, but, you know, overall, overall, if Tampa Bay loses to the Saints and if they lose against the Niners, the Falcons are all of a sudden tied for first in the NFC South. And, you know, we're talking about this hope that we have for Atlanta making the playoffs and then you're also talking about, you know, possibly continuing to go with Marcus Mariota uh, over Desmond Ritter because we're still in the playoff hunt because Arthur Smith has proven that, you know, he's going to let outside forces dictate his decisions. And it doesn't matter that we're a five-win football team. Um, he's still going to he's still going to be stubborn with it um, until you know, until we're mathematically eliminated. So, you know what? Thank God the Tampa Bay won because now we don't have to pretend like, you know, this playoff thing is going to happen. And, you know, even if the Falcons do somehow come up with a miracle and make it to the playoffs, what what's the prize there? Getting plastered by the Cowboys in the wild card <laughs> round because this team isn't even good enough to, to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers who are terrible, you know, you expect them to to hold out against that Cowboys defense and that Cowboys. It would be 
that would be one of those historic playoff wrecks. And, you know, I, I, I'm ready to just move on to Ritter. It should have happened weeks ago. Um, and, you know, go with these young guys, play Troy Anderson more, you know, play guys like Timmy Horn more, um, you know, get get D'Angelo Malone out there more. And in, in fairness, Malone played a season-high 25 snaps last week, which is good mm-hmm. to see, but, you know, play him even more. You know, get these young guys out there and, you know, let's turn the page and let's move on to next season because this season can't end quick enough at this point. <laughs> this team had this team had it in their hands. They had that easy stretch that we were talking about. And I think they went one and four on in that stretch. Like what what are what are we even hoping for at this point? Like I, I don't a five and eight team doesn't deserve to be talking about the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's crazy that we are like, and, and it's all to do with the division. Like, you know, when you say like, the Falcons don't deserve to make the playoffs, it's like the Bucks don't really deserve to make the playoffs either. They're almost as bad as the Falcons have been. It's kind of crazy how a team that talented is so bad. Like, I mean, it's just it's pretty insane to me watching that de- that absolutely loaded. I mean, they don't have Shaq Barrett anymore. I get that, but like, that's still a loaded defense and. You know, they're they're playing like well, but like they're not playing great. And then that offense, it's like you got Tom Brady, the goat at quarterback, elite weaponry. I mean, the, the offensive line has taken some hits this season, but still, I mean, it, it, there's no excuses for that team being as bad as they are. Uh, and it's pretty insane. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's important to to turn the page, at least mentally speaking i'm not saying the falcons need to like intentionally lose or not try to win these games they should try to win these games absolutely but i think it's sort of it's such a remote possibility now that you're you're thinking about it changes because you're like well let's you know we're not going to intentionally try to get out of the playoffs but it's we should try to be more aggressive with like moving our strategy to evaluating these young players because like if anything, it's like you just need to find a way to get a spark because you're you've you've lost four out of five. Like you're you're bad. Um, you're losing. You're falling further and further behind. You're getting worse and worse. So it's like you need to start making some drastic changes, if only to try to spark something to happen. Um, and the easiest way to do that is obviously at the quarterback position. Um, and we've been talking about it for a while. I think really it started in earnest week ten, right after Thursday night football just a really bad performance from Mariota and the offense as a whole. And ever since that game outside of a sort of a a good effort against the bears who have pretty bad defense now, um, they just haven't really gotten much done at all on offense. They've had, I think three or four of their worst games in the last couple of weeks. Offensively, the run game has continued to, to get it done. Like the run game has continued putting up 150 plus yards every week. So like that aspect of the offense has not taken a hit. So you can't explain it away there. And I know Aaron Freeman was citing the uh, the pass protection statistics, and the pass protection has improved as well. So the one thing that has gotten worse is Mariota, and I don't know what the real culprit is for that, and I'm sure it's not just Mariota that's the problem, but he's not doing himself any favors. He's, he's definitely left—he's widened the door more and more for Desmond Ritter to get on the field and— now that you're officially out of realistic playoff contention, it's absolutely time to turn the page to Desmond Ritter. So the question is, you know, will they do it? Um, and I, you know, I, I'm i very confident that they will, but I do want to know more about how you feel about that, Anna. Do you feel like it's 
almost a, a sure thing? Do you feel like it's like 75%? What Put a percentage on it that you think that they will go to Desmond Ritter uh, starting in week 15. It's not 100 because, yeah, yeah. you know, we thought at multiple points in the season that they should have gone to Ritter. And I will contest throughout the – I don't care what Desmond Ritter looks like when he does – when he does finally play, I will still contest that Desmond Ritter should have been put in at the very least to see if he can be that spark because Marks Mariota is who he is. He was not getting it done. He wasn't losing you games at the start of the year, but then he started to, he began to start losing you games. And I think at that point you should have pulled the trigger, but Arthur Smith was just stubborn with it. Like he was just, you could not, you could not tell him at all to that, you know, Marks Mariota isn't the guy. And who knows, maybe he still continues to be stubborn with it. I'll say it's a 65% chance now that Ritter starts. And that's still too low. Like, I wish I could say it's 90, 95%. But Arthur Smith has proven that, you know, he is that hard-headed. And it would not shock me at all if he went out there claiming that, yeah, we're still mathematically in this. So until we're mathematically out of it, um, Marcus Mariota is going to be the starter. So yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, and that's just frustrating. That's a frustrating thing to have in a coach. As good as Arthur Smith is overall, he is he is a bit too full of himself sometimes. Uh, I think everyone would agree about that. And you know what? He's making this decision, and he knows better than every single person. Um, so, you know, I, I hope I, I'd give it a better than half chance percent chance that it's going to be Ritter. But the sad part is I'm convinced that if the saints win, we're, we still have Marcus Mariota out there. And <laughs> I, I hate, I, I, I can never, I can never defend letting outside forces dictate your decisions but that's exactly what the falcons are doing you know any regular five and eight team or any regular five and seven team before last week that you know they're out of contention they have no hope you know but the falcons because of this division is the way it is you know we we were in the hunt and we're technically still in the hunt but you know, this team, if this was in a if this team was in a better division, uh Ritter would have been starting weeks ago. But, you know, they're not in playoff contention because of themselves. They're not in playoff contention because Mariota is playing well and he's leading them there. They're in playoff contention because other teams are shit. Yeah. So you know, I, I can't justify letting the division being poor, you know, d- make make those decisions for you in a way yeah yeah i mean i i think you you know i played devil's advocate a little bit with the coaching staff and and say that there may have been a plan in place before the season about when they wanted to go to desmond ritter and and they wanted to sort of stick to that and that's not always a bad thing because i think you you're you're probably tempted a lot to to make snap decisions and do things like that depending you know on on fan uproar and fan uproar has been getting louder and louder there's no doubt about that for Desmond Ritter but my guess is that their plan was probably always to try to put to 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 let Mario to play until the bye week 
um, unless they were just absolutely out of it, and then they would just go ahead and go to Ritter. But I think the idea was we're going to keep Mariota in as long as we're still afloat, and then after, and then during the bye week, we will, you know, reevaluate and we'll go to Ritter as if you know, if it doesn't, if if Mariota's not keeping his job, we're going to make a change, and I think that's where we are now. Um, so I. It needs to happen now. Like, I mean, I, I don't think they can wait any longer, and I don't think they will. I, I think if they don't go to Ritter now, they're just not going to put him in. Like, they're just not going to play him, which would be very odd and would spark consternation from probably everyone everywhere, uh, like media all over. Um, you just need to know what you have, and there's not really any reason to keep playing Mariota because he's not going to be here next year unless he's going to come back to be a backup on a, on a cheap contract or something like that. So we need to, we need to, uh, see what we have in Ritter. And that, that's why I mean, I, I think there's a 90% chance Ritter's playing in week 15. Um, I, I don't really think that there's much of a chance that they don't go to Ritter. I understand people being skeptical about it because they've not inserted him yet. But like I said, I think they're very deliberate about this. I think the plan was maybe always to wait until the bye week to make the change. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with waiting that long, especially considering how the season went. But I think there's a lot of factors that have stacked up now that make playing Mariota basically a non-starter uh, and something that just doesn't work. Like, it's it's your offense is trending in the wrong direction and Mariota's not improving at all. So there's not really any like there's not like he's shown signs of life where you're like oh well he's had a couple he's starting to bounce back or he's had a good game and, and he's he's sort of inconsistent but it's been you know more up than down to where he's like like it was one thing early in the season when Mariota was actually like having some good games and like the team was winning and it was it was like oh well he's actually playing fine so there's not really any reason that we need to rush Ritter out there now it's like we need to rush Ritter out there because the offense is just going down with Mariota at the helm and it's not going to get any better there. So I think you have to go to Ritter for all of the developmental reasons. We talked about all of the evaluation reasons, but you also probably, I mean, I think you have to go to Ritter to see if he can do something for you. Like, can he spark a run here? Can he go in in his first game, have a legendary beginning to his career and defeat your division rival on the road in week one, you know, cause, cause that's a great way to begin your, your NFL career, right? Like, I mean, they could set him up for that sort of beginning. And then if he loses in New Orleans in his first game, no one's going to be like, oh, well, geez, I can't believe he lost in a hostile environment for his first game. Like, they they can throw him to the wolves in some ways, but also give him an opportunity to really rise to that occasion and have a big start. And I think that's what they will do. I'm pretty confident that they will do that. Um, but I don't blame you, Adnan, for being skeptical, considering, you know, we haven't seen it yet. But... I mean, to me, the big thing was his press conference after the game. It was a completely different tone, um, and you could tell. Because it, before it was, there is no quarterback conversation. There is no controversy. There, There's no question. And, th- and then right after this game, it was, you know, we're going to evaluate everything. Like, we're going to, you know, nothing's off the table. You know, we're, we're going to evaluate everything. Completely different tenor. Completely different answer. And I, I think that was your answer. Like, yeah, we're, we're probably going to make a change now. But... Um, I don't think they wanted to do it. They're not going to say anything during the bye week. They're probably going to announce it on Monday. Um, that would be my guess, but this is the most logical time to do it. You know, 
I mean, I guess it, this could be like that meme that was like, oh, the best time to do this was, you know, two weeks ago, but the second best time is now. So it's like, that's where we are. Like, the best time to start Desmond Ritter was after week 10. The second best time is right now. So, um, I mean, lose, lose for them. Like, yeah. if Ritter looks bad, then, you know, that's on them. It's like, all right, why did we get this? Or if he looks terrible, like, not bad. Like, he can look, he can look like, you know, bad. like we're not expecting greatness like yeah. right away. But if he looks terrible, then, you know, maybe he's just not your guy at, at quarterback and you're back to the drawing board at quarterback because, like, I, I'm going to have some words if, if the plan at quarterback next season is to run Marks Mariota out there again. Like, I, I, I'm that's not going to be the plan. I can guarantee yeah. you that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm changing my turn on this coaching staff if, yeah. if that's what they're going with. There's but, 0% uh, chance, I say. Yeah. But if Ritter looks amazing, if he comes out there, you know, guns blazing and, you know, throwing three, four touchdowns against the Saints, then we're saying, why the fuck didn't you do this earlier? Like, maybe <laughs> maybe we'd still be alive for a playoff spot. Maybe we'd actually be in a division driver's seat if you started at him earlier. So, you know, Smith is in a, in a no-win situation. I know he doesn't care about the media, but – you know what? Maybe maybe the media is right sometimes. Like sometimes. you know, you're, yeah. Like you're not this omniscient being who just knows everything all the time. Yeah, and and he does. You know, Arthur Smith uh, does have a bit of an ego, but I would be. I don't think you could be an NFL coach without an ego, honestly. Like, I feel like if you if you didn't have that level of, like, confidence or swagger in yourself, I don't think you could do the job. So, like, I in some ways, I don't fault him. And it's like, you got to stick with your guns. You got to you gotta go with what you, what you think is best. You can't really, like, you can't listen to me. I mean, if you want to hire me on your coaching staff, then listen to me. Absolutely. But don't just listen to what people on Twitter say. Uh, or whatever and I know they read it because they've said as much to me (laughs) like they do read our stuff they do read our tweets they they I mean I know lots of people on the team read the Falcoholic and really enjoy our content they probably don't enjoy some of the stuff we write uh but you know it read the sacrifice article (laughs) actually well I've heard actually some people really enjoyed the sacrifice articles so some very high-end people yeah some very high up uh people but you know, maybe those will make a comeback someday. We, but I think Matt has to be the one to do it. I don't know if we, I don't know that we can do it if he's not going to be the one to write the sacrifice yeah, pieces. Yeah, sure. So we need him to take the fall. By uh, the way, so. Matt, like, you know, not to put any business out there, but he just asked <laughs> today what time the show was. Yeah, and then yeah. just didn't respond. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like indicating that he'll be there. And then after you told him the time, he just like stopped responding. Yeah, then he ghosted us. It's just it's just to get because Matt never comes on the show, so he was just really it was just a tease by Matt. So great job. I think there. Matt's been on the show like I think he comes on once a year, as is contractually obligated. No, yeah, no. yeah, contractually obligated for the one show uh, every once in a while. But, um, yeah, well, this is, yeah, I wasn't necessarily going to touch on this directly, but we do have a donation about it, so I guess we have to. Uh, so Patrick with the $1. Thank you, Patrick. Man, I appreciate that. Uh, he says, why are people so concerned that Ritter hasn't played yet this season? I've been seeing people say the Falcons don't have faith in him, and that's why he hasn't played. Then, the, uh, So that means the Chiefs thought Mahomes was a bust then because he didn't play until the last few games of his first season. So, yeah. I'm not going to name names. You know, I'm sure everyone knows who we're, we're talking about here. Um, but it's just a ridiculous statement, uh, and it doesn't have any basis in reality. Uh, and, you know, it it's kind of ridiculous. Um, 
So like, don't don't pay any mind to that. Um, I did enjoy the like TikTok thing uh, where like they, they somebody you know was talking to like Ritter and Drake London in a store. So maybe I mean I don't know if that's legit or like if it was staged or what. So I'm not really gonna comment on the veracity of that. But at least they put together a video. And, like, it did look like Drake London. I mean, I've, I've seen him in person. That does look like him. So maybe, maybe there is legs to that. I don't know. But where, where I, I believe they met Desmond Ritter and Drake London in the store. I don't believe that they revealed team secrets to them in said conversation. So, uh, you know, that's where I sort of jump off the bus. But, it, it, you know, it was entertaining. Um, I'll give it that. But you, you can't, like, there are no shortcuts. There are no secret leaks coming out. Like, if Rapsheet, if Schefter, if these other NFL insiders aren't reporting it, it's because it hasn't been leaked. Uh, if you think some random person on Twitter is going to get information before Rapsheet or Pelissero or any of these other actual NFL insiders who talk to the highest level of the team, you're, you're just setting yourself up to be annoyed. So, if it's not from Rapsheet or Pelissero or one of these other insider guys... Well, what if he has a blue check mark? <laughs> Well, see, that I need I need to buy that now because uh, then maybe people will start to you know I can start to just say whatever I want. Um, it's not worth your time. Like, it's maybe it's fun to speculate about and, and think about or whatever, but don't let random rumors like upset you or sway you or make you think anything. But Patrick, you're absolutely right. Like the fact that Ritter hasn't played this year yet doesn't really mean anything. Um, you know, the Chiefs went out of their way to make Mahomes, you know, to have him sit for a year. Uh, and that's that's a good strategy. I think the Falcons, I think, referenced that uh, at some point, that they, they were open, like the, the Alex Smith, you know, Mahomes thing. They, li- they, like, appreciated what the Chiefs did there, and they liked that. I, I think that was maybe them that they mentioned it in some press conference. Um, so in some ways it doesn't surprise me that they're, they're waiting to get um, – that they're waiting to get Ritter on the field because they intentionally wanted to to have him get experience in this scheme. And, like, remember that Mariota has years of experience in this scheme before he even got to Atlanta. So we shouldn't be surprised that he, like, immediately got on the field after signing in the offseason because he already had tons of experience in this scheme. I know, like, it might look like a simple scheme, but it's really not. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. They they ask a lot of the quarterback in terms of the reads and, and making quick decisions, and you have to know all the RPOs and the option plays and all this stuff. Like, they, they put a lot on the quarterback in this system. Um, and I think that the fact that he hasn't played yet, Ritter, it doesn't have anything to do with them not having, quote-unquote, faith in him. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what what do you think about that, uh, Don? I'll, I'll, I've I've been talking a lot about it, but what what do you think? Do you think the team doesn't have faith in Ritter? <laughs> no. Whatever that means, you know. No. What? <laughs> Enhanced faith scale? Do you know what what number are, no. did, would they rate the, him? Yeah. <laughs> the team wouldn't pretend because we knew going into this season that you know Smith and Fontenot were talking about the playoffs. If the team didn't have faith in Ritter, they wouldn't have Ritter as their backup quarterback. Like they would have signed a veteran along with Marcus Mariota just in case there was some for some injury insurance because Mariota hasn't been the most durable player, you know, in in the league. Like he's been very durable this year, but he he has had his fair share of injuries. Uh we remember in the preseason it was a it was a topic about how he, you know, never slid and how that was really like 
you know, how that could potentially affect him, um, you know, staying healthy long term. But if the team had no faith in Ritter, you wouldn't potentially jeopardize your entire season on, you know, a quarterback that's been somewhat injury prone here and there. Uh, because in that case, Mariota goes down and the, the year is over, the season's over because, you know, you're now playing this rookie who you have no faith in. Um, I think that they legitimately did. I, I think the reason Ritter isn't starting and isn't playing is more than anything because Arthur Smith is being hardheaded and because he decided that, you know, until we're out of the playoff contention, we will roll with the veteran and we're not putting a, a first year rookie out there to lead a team that we're aiming for in the playoffs. Um, I think that's, that's really what it is. And everything else is pretty much just reading too much into it. Like, I think it's, it's ridiculous at this point to assume that, yeah, the Falcons have no faith in Desmond Ritter. They really like Desmond Ritter coming out of the draft. Like they, they spent a day to pick on him. They're not just going to, you know, get rid of him, you know, in year one or just like lose faith in him in year one. Like this is the same team that trotted Jalen Mayfield, another third rounder out there for the entire year last year, even though Jalen Mayfield was the worst offensive lineman in football. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because they did that and then they had Richie Grant, who I think was playing better and they barely utilized him in his rookie season. And then this year he's a starter. So it's like this team is, is simultaneously willing to throw rookies out there, but also they're sort of reluctant to give rookies too many snaps. Like, I think you could argue they made the wrong decision with Mayfield and, uh, you know, they made the wrong decision with Grant too. Like, and they took opposite ap- approaches with each one. But I think that uh, it's funny to me because like Ritter to me always seemed like one of the most pro ready quarterbacks. And it's, it's hard to quantify that. Like it, it so I don't want to read too much into that, but at this point, we've mentioned all of the reasons why you need to make the change. Like you're basically out of playoff contention. You need to see if he can spark something. What like, you need to see how he looks in your offense. You need to see how he responds. There's no replacement for live game reps. Like, yeah, it's only four games, but like it, that's, that's a good amount of game reps for him to get his feet wet. So instead of coming into week one next year to get his first start, this, you can get him a few, you know, games under his belt you know, he'll get to play against two division opponents. That's significant, um, you know, and play against some some tough other matchups as well. You know, the Cardinals, who knows, the Ravens, maybe we won't see Lamar Jackson, I don't know. But um, it's, it's time to get him out there. We need to know. And, like, they need to know, like, as much as we do, like, how how much trust should we have in Ritter? And, like, People, are, people are, are trying to make it out like, oh, if Ritter doesn't play, then that means they don't trust him. It could also be the opposite in that they actually have so much trust in him that they don't even feel like they need to throw him on the field because they, they're like, well, we, we like you so much like that we're not going to throw you out here in, in a losing situation and not you know even force you to play behind this offensive line or try to be a hero. And we just want you to get as all the mental reps and we're going to protect you and keep you safe and all this. And like, I I disagree with that approach, but that could also be something that they're doing. Like just like the chiefs with Mahomes, they're like, actually we have so much confidence in you, Patrick Mahomes. Like we're not even going to bother trying to force you on the field early. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I, there's just no replacement for the game reps. Like I, I think it would be wise to get Ritter lots of opportunities with his first string receivers 
get him used to calling, you know, plays at the line, getting used to the protections, getting used to working just at NFL speed in an NFL game. There's just no way to replace those reps. So I, I, it's time. It's definitely time uh, for that to happen. So any, let's see, any, anything else you want to add on, on the whole Ritter Mariota situation on, on before we move on to some, some other players that we'd like to see play more in the second half here? Well, I guess like the final quarter because the how late the damn bye is, but whatever. <laughs> uh, no, just that Ritter should have been starting already at this point. And maybe if he was, the team would still be in some sort of contention because, you know, I guarantee you he could not have been worse than Mariota was against the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, um, that's the other thing is like, well, could he, could he really be worse? And you the answer is... Yes, it can always be worse, but um, is it likely to be worse? I don't think so. So um, it's time. I, I'm i very confident that Ritter will be the starter going into week 15. Adnan said he was about 65%. So that's where we are. Um, so we'll see. But uh, I, I personally would be shocked if he's not. And th- they're going to get blasted by the media and fans if they don't make the change. So... That shouldn't really be a factor in your decision-making, but in this case, you'd be getting blasted because it doesn't make any sense not to do it, not because people are being impatient or doing anything. like. So sometimes media and fans are getting mad because of what's happening, and it, it's bad. <laughs> sometimes people are being unreasonable. That's very true. But in this situation, not the case, in my opinion, at least. Jason Gaines with the two dollars, just absolutely burying Jalen Mayfield here. Um, <laughs> let's see. He's giving us a Bill Parcells quote. He says, "A piece of shit blocks better than you because at least if there's shit out there, someone might slip on it." <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's is that a really a Parcells quote? That wouldn't surprise me because he's got some bangers for sure. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Jason. Jason's just Jason. Jason lets it fly. He he does not. He shoots from the hip. He doesn't. You know. Props to you, Jason, for for speaking your mind. But yeah, I mean, um, I do hope that uh, Mayfield can get healthy and come off IR next year and at least give us something for that third round pick. You know, whether that's depth or whatever. But uh, we'll see. Um, yeah. So Adnan, any any other players you would like to see be inserted into the starting lineup or just get more snaps coming out of the bye? Uh, I mentioned a couple names already. Um, D'Angelo Malone, who it's trending upwards. He had a season-high 38% of snaps last game, 25 total. Troy Anderson is a name that, you know, the people have been calling for. Um, He also had, you know, he's had a couple of games where he had, you know, nearly half the snaps. He had 27 last game, 30 the game before. But, you know, maybe it's time to go with a full, you know, a full starting, uh, you know, session of Troy Anderson where he's getting as many snaps as possible. Uh, maybe maybe you cut down Rashawn Evans' snaps, who, you know, Evans has played every single snap in four of the last five games, and he's played at least 91% of snaps all year. Uh, excuse me, at 86% in week two. But... You know, maybe you cut down his snaps a little bit and you play and you give Troy Anderson, you know, those snaps. Uh, you know, maybe we we see Timmy Horn out there a little more. Uh, Abby Katie was 
was hurt last game, but, you know, seeing him uh, as much as possible, you know, just these young guys from the draft class, these young guys from, you know, who have been drafted in the last couple of years, um, you know, I, I would like to see them, you know, you know, just learn on the job, you know, go through, um, you know, baptize them with fire a little bit if, if need be. It's just, you know, you don't, don't let delusions of grandeur, you know, keep you sticking with these, with these veterans at this point. Like this team has a, what, a 5% chance of making the playoffs according to 538. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> You know that that's that's pretty minuscule. You need you need to either win out. It's not happening. This team is not good enough to win out. Or you need the Bucks to suffer the type of collapse that Tom Brady's never suffered in his career in the regular season. Um, to to you know get back into that playoff hunt, back into that playoff picture, even with how bad this division is right now. But you know overall, just play these young guys um, as much as possible. Um, yeah, someone in the chat mentioned, you know, maybe seeing Frank Darby a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, that that that's a bit saucy. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, if Jared Bernhardt is is healthy and good to go, maybe even you know throwing him out there to seeing what what he has. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just let's just roll with it at this point. Um, yeah. Go 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 with these young guys. You know, you have what do you have to lose at this point? Right. And I think that they will like, we, I mean, honestly, we've seen them give Troy Anderson more work as, as the season's gone on. So that is, is encouraging and he needs to play more. And we're still seeing like the rawness show up. Like Anderson doesn't always take great angles to the ball. Um, he's been a little bit lost in coverage a few times. Uh, but like the athleticism is so impressive that like, sometimes it just doesn't matter. Like he just, I mean, he just makes some crazy plays and he's, he's just, he needs to just get the reps, and, and he's only, like we said, we, we said it a lot going into training camp and, and this year. It's like if he can just give you good special teams play and, and give you some some flashes, that's all you're looking for because this is a guy that's played linebacker for like two years in his entire football career. So it's going to take time. Um, and I think this is definitely his like warm-up season, um, and hopefully he can hit the ground running next year. I think that uh, that would be great. And, and we're certainly very hopeful of that. I don't think we've, I don't think anything that he's done this year has maybe concerned that he can't take on a larger role in the future. Um, I think it's, it's reasonable um, to expect that. I hope Arnold Ebicady is ready to play after the bye. I think he was really starting to heat up um, and was starting to play really well. So I, I, and he was starting to, to start as well. Like he's over, he had overtaken Ogundeji in terms of total snaps before his injury. Um, and he still leads Ogundeji. So he was clearly getting the nod as, as the starter opposite Lorenzo Carter. Um, and also, you know, you mentioned D'Angelo Malone, like, yes, we need to see Malone as well. We need to know if those two guys can be, you know, foundational pieces of this edge group that you need, you need a lot of guys in your edge rushing group. And we, we know the Falcons still need that premium top edge. Maybe they can get like a Yannick Ngakwe in free agency, or maybe they draft like an Isaiah Foskey, or I know someone in the chat asked about Tyree Wilson, you know, whoever. That maybe they get that guy in the draft or in free agency. And then if you if you have Ebicady, I think we we 
have seen, I think he can be a number two edge. And then Malone, can he be your number three? That's what we need to find out. And then, of course, you've got Lorenzo Cardu, who I think is just a really sort of unique player. And I think he's a solid option in that room as well. Um, and we've said it a lot. I think that group of three guys is a really good foundation. You just need the blue chip guy on top to really take that group to being something good. Um, that's easier said than done, obviously, but like, I don't think it's as far away as the stats might indicate. Like, I think they actually have three good edge players. They just don't have anyone that's like really moving the needle. And when you combine that with the interior, which right now is just kind of a disaster, like outside of Grady Jarrett, you know, Taquan Graham was the other guy that you really liked there and he's out. Um, so now they're playing like Jalen Dalton, who's been kind of okay. Matt Dickerson has been really bad. I really don't know what they see in him to keep him around. Jaleel Johnson hasn't exactly flashed anything when he's gotten out there. Abdullah Anderson, I guess, maybe is like the one that's actually impressed. Um, so I think maybe you do have something there. But you mentioned Timmy Horn, and it's like, I, man, I, I have not enjoyed the Timmy Horn experience so far, to be honest. So um, I, you feel like nose tackle is going to be a big target. Um, either in the draft or free agency uh, to round out that group as well. But um, yeah, I, I guess we mostly were talking about like defensive players because I think on offense, the young guys are all basically already playing except for maybe Frank Darby, like you said, um, you know, other than Desmond Ritter. So that would be the big one. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, we're already seeing tons from Drake London. Um, you know, you wonder if Bernhardt, there's a chance he could come back off of IR at any point, but um, we haven't heard any update there. It doesn't, you know, so maybe he can get back for a game or two. And we can see something. I don't know, but Let's look, I, I hope he's able to, because this is a good chance for him, you know, because he'll be someone who's going to be fighting for a roster spot again the next year. You know, it, it makes, it can make all the difference being able to, you know, late in the season in one of these games that don't really matter uh, for playoff positioning, uh, to have a good game to really show out. We saw with Alameda Zacchaeus a few years ago. He had that, you know, big 92-yard catch against the Carolina Panthers after he, you know, in a similar, you know, in a similar pattern as as Jared Bernhardt was an undrafted free agent who won the starting, who won the wide receiver roster spot against uh, a bunch of comers, you know, that year. And he didn't. He was on the bench. He was a healthy scratch week in and week out. Then when the Falcons were kind of out of contention, they they put him out there. He had that great game against the Panthers. I think he had a touchdown against the um, the Forty ers that year during that upset win. I think it was that um, that kickoff, you know, laterals touchdown, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. Um, I think that was Zacchaeus. But yeah, and then then Zacchaeus comes in next season. You know, having shown him, proven himself to the coaching staff a bit, and you know now having a big lead in that wide receiver competition, and it wasn't really that much of a competition that year, if I recall correctly. But you know that that's a golden opportunity for Bernhardt now to do something similar. Whereas if he does just end the season on um, on IR, then you're essentially coming back next year. You know, he's sli- he'll be slightly ahead of some of these undrafted guys since he'll have a year, you yep. know, with the team and having memorized the playbook. But that doesn't really go a very long way. As, you know, he'll 
almost be at square one. It doesn't go as far as actually showing it in, in a regular right. season game. Yeah. You know, you think about Austin Trammell, who was a guy that I really liked. You know, he had a similar path. He ended up on IR, didn't really get a chance to contribute. He did, and then ended up getting cut early in Falcons training camp. Now, lucky for him, he was able to go catch on with the Rams, I believe, and has been able to be active, I think, for a game or two there. But, yeah, I mean, with Bernhardt, you sort of see that they really like him because they bothered to keep him on the roster, even though they, they he wasn't really playing. I think he played like 10 total snaps over the games he was active. So they clearly like him a lot. Um, they also have like a ton of practice squad receivers. I think they have four right now. Uh, Cameron Batson, Josh Ali, Rashawn Henry, and Amika Amizi, I think, are all on the practice squad. Um if I'm not mistaken. So they, they already have like a big group of veteran receivers, you know, and as, it, as you might expect, you know, Henry and Amika Mize are both like huge, you know, six, three, like sort of guys. I know uh, Amizi, uh, Amize, uh, whatever, however you say it. Um, he's a 2022 UDFA. Uh, I believe Rashawn Henry is as well. Uh, I think Josh Ali and of course, Cameron Batson, uh, Batson is like a veteran guy. I think he's been around since like 2018. He's been on and off the Titans roster several times. Um, but like, honestly, this receiving group, like you wouldn't think it based on the production, but I think we all know the lack of production is probably like more Mariota related than anything. So it's like, I actually, I don't hate this wide receiver group at all. Like I actually think this is like a pretty, like a fine group. Like, Drake London, he's your number one. I don't have any concerns about that going forward. Alamade Zacchaeus, I think he's shown he can be a decent two, but he's probably best as a three, but I think, you know, he's he can be a two in a low volume passing attack. So maybe the the idea is that you go you're trying to find a good two for Drake London. But I mean, even then you have Kyle Pitts who's your defense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because so the Falcons aren't using tight end traditionally. Yeah. Uh, Pitts is more so in that in that Travis Kelsey role, like in Kansas yeah. City, where it's like, yeah, Kelsey's the number one and everyone else is the, you know, tooth or whatever. So, so in that way, you're right. It's like they sort of have London and Pitts are like the two number one receivers. So like, do you really, like, I feel like you don't really need much investment there because you don't. Zacchaeus has been perfectly good. Like, I mean, I think he's a good wide receiver three. Demir Bird. He can be your speedster. He's shown that he can do it. He's done some good stuff. And Kadero Hodge, like, as an outlet guy and a great special teamer, he's been good, too. So it's like, there's not, I don't even feel like there's that much room or need uh, for more receivers here. Like, I mean, Bernhardt, you know, and, and these other guys are probably going to duke it out. But, like, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't really add anything at receiver in the offseason yeah. if they just bring these guys back. And, and I mean, you're going to, London and Pitts are going to organically grow. Like, you're, expecting both of them to be better next year than they were this year they couldn't really showcase themselves much because you know Marcus Mariota is last in the league in you know percentage of passes which are catchable I think actually I think Zach Wilson is the only player worse than him in that um, but the Falcons are last in the NFL in uh, lowest percentage of catchable targets thrown um, Kyle Pitts led the league in you know, most uncatchable targets. It was like over 30%, which is really yeah, sad. It wasn't even close. So, yeah. you know, you're hoping that the issue isn't your pass catcher. The issue is the quarterback. 
you know, you fix the quarterback, and I think these guys will absolutely thrive. Kyle Pitts especially, like, this is the guy that, you know, is probably going to be Kelsey's heir apparent as the best tight end in the league, you know, moving forward, but not with Marcus Mariota, if that makes sense. But, yeah, um, I think you could, you know, possibly look into, you know, a, a free agent, like a, one of those like lower level, maybe mid-tier free agent wide receivers if you if you really want to, you know, I'm uh, just looking through some of these names. Um, maybe someone like a Marvin Jones. Right. You know, maybe, yeah. You know, Jarvis Landry. There were some talks with, with him this year. Um, you, you know, it's, it's what well, nobody was going to really stick out and nobody was going to like really capture the headlines. You know, Equinemius St. Brown from Chicago. Well, wh- one of these guys who you know, who you can just like plug in for depth purposes, especially after the, um, uh, after the prod, the guy from Oakland that we just cut. Oh yeah. Brian Edwards. Yeah. He couldn't even get on the field. (laughs) After the Brian Edwards, like project didn't really, you know, pan out so much. And it's a good year to not need a wide receiver because the free agent wide receiver class is pretty horrible. Yeah. I mean, like I like Jacoby Myers, like, but I feel like he's going to get a decent contract. So I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to get a better contract than oh, yeah. the yeah. Falcons are willing to give. Lazar yeah, I, I don't think they're going to bother, honestly. Like, I agree with you. Like, I think you just re-sign the guys you have. Like, they literally cut Brian Edwards because Kadero Hodge was doing it better and plays special teams. So, like, um, so I, I really don't feel like they need an investment there other than small ones, which is not, which is a nice change from last year where we were like, wow, wide receiver is like the worst position on the roster <laughs> without Calvin Ridley. So um, kind of, kind of crazy how far we've come. I did want to touch on tight end real quick too, because that's another position where it's been sort of a, a trendy thing for people to be like, Oh, let's get the Falcons another tight end, you know, to pair with Pitts. It's like, no, <laughs> no, stop. Like, like look at their tight end room. Like, they love Parker Hesse. He's like played more snaps than like any, you know, blocking tight end this year or something. Even though his flag did cost us the game last yes, week. Yes, yes. But, you know, Parker Hesse respects the tank, Adnan. So, <laughs> just like Young Way Koo last year, okay? He respects the tank and you got to respect him. It wasn't time to tank yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't time to I'm tank yet. You're right. He it's was just ahead of the out. curve. Yeah. It's time to tank after the Saints game because I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. No, no, you can't take him. That's not allowed. Yeah, yeah, never. That's not acceptable under any circumstances. But, like, Michael Pruitt's been awesome. Like, it's like this dude's just catching touchdowns every week. So, like, I think you found your tight end, too. Like, why not? Like, Michael Pruitt. Clearly, he's good enough to be your tight end, too. Parker Hesse is a great blocker. Like, they have this obsession with Felipe, Felipe Franks. So, like, there's not, like, they have John Fitzpatrick, like you mentioned, like, just sitting there. Like he's maybe, just sitting maybe, on IR. Maybe the the Felipe project finally comes to an end. Come on, stop, stop maybe, it. Maybe we just like you know decide <laughs> that yeah you know maybe this isn't it because I mean at this point Frank's has just been a waste of roster spot. <laughs> like he was fun. He was fun to cover in training camp. He I'm was great gonna... in training camp. He yeah. was fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was like killing it in training camp, and then like you know he had that stand as a quarterback in the preseason and then finally gets a chance in the regular season and 
you know, he doesn't look like he can come close to catching a, a pass in, in that. Um, yeah, and maybe we can, you know, kind of not use up that roster spot moving forward. Like, I may, I mean, maybe they just like that he's he can be that emergency quarterback, but at the same time, he needs to at least give you something at the tight end position if you're going to go that route, and he's not. Yeah, it's been sort of, it's been disappointing that he hasn't been able to convert his great training camp into anything. Just hasn't really gotten a chance to catch any pass. Well, he has just dropped the passes that he's had a chance to catch, and the blocking has been bad, and there's been penalties, and it's just really disappointing. Um, So, I I agree. Like, he's probably going to have to have another great training camp preseason next year to actually stick on the roster, but he'll be back next training camp i guarantee that like he'll be back uh because they they like him they clearly love him so and like i'm pulling for him like you know it's not easy to change positions it's not um i think he deserves some some patience there but i wouldn't expect anything like crazy to come out of it but you know look at parker hesse converted def- defensive lineman that, that that arthur smith changed to tight end in in training you know in training camp like years and years ago with the titans now playing tight end being a great blocker so like he has a track record of doing this. Maybe that doesn't mean that like he should continue to do it. It's one of those Jurassic Park situations, right? Like he spent so much time thinking about if he could turn Felipe Franks into a great tight end that he didn't stop to think about if he should. Um, so, you know, we'll see uh, how that ends up going. But uh, I I like the tight end room. Like I was, you guys might remember, I was a big Michael Pruitt fan. I was like, he needs to make the roster. I think he's going to be the tight end too. So it's taken like 14 weeks for my prediction about Michael Pro being tight end two to really come to fruition. But uh, the long game I have played and, and now I'm being rewarded for it. But like, yeah, I, I really like, I don't really see a need to, to draft a, a tight end high. I don't see a need to draft a wide receiver particularly high. Um, I think it's setting up nicely for them to really focus on the trenches, which is sort of what I think we were hoping for basically all this season is like, okay, they spent a lot of resources on, the skill positions, like, are we going to get some trench help anytime now? And maybe this will finally be the offseason where it happens, Adnan. We've been waiting for trench help for the past decade plus. Like, like every year it's always just focusing on the skill positions. And then when they finally do, at least Dimitrov, when he finally did try to address defensive ends, you spend a top 10 pick on Vic Beasley. You spent a first rounder that you traded up for on Tack McKinley. So. I don't know. It's it's been a long, long time. Yeah. Since we've actually like, you know, had legitimate at least on the defensive line. Like uh, uh, on offense, at least you you he nailed the Lindstrom pick. We had Alex Mack that one off season, but man, the defensive line has been rough. Yeah, I do feel like the offensive line is closer to to completion. Um, I feel like. I think they just need to get a real impact center. And I think left guard is probably going to be okay, which is a weird thing to say, right? But, um, like, between Matt Hennessy, who played one game at left guard but actually looked was looking good before he got hurt, Chuma Adoga came in for one game and looked pretty good before he got hurt, Colby Gossett has had two good games and one bad game, and Elijah Wilkinson, I think, looked good on the whole throughout his over 400 snaps so it's like i think between that cluster of guys 
you just bring them back and you see you know who who who's the winner and who's the backup and you're pretty confident and they've got Justin Schaefer just waiting in the wings too and you know we talked about Jalen Mayfield so he'll be back next next offseason but like I mean I think like center and then figure out what you want to do at right tackle but I think that's kind of it which going into this season I I don't think we would have thought that like oh they're gonna be you know relatively settled at left guard and feel like that spot's okay and that you know like right tackle, I mean, I guess I'm with with every game that McGarry plays better, and he had one of his best games this last week uh, against the Steelers. Like, it makes me think it's more and more likely that he gets an extension here in Atlanta, not somewhere else. I know someone in the chat was saying, you know, oh yeah, we need to sign him to a cheap deal. I got McGarry's getting a big contract, guys. Like, it's gonna happen. Um, he's a tackle who's having a great season and a contract year, so he's gonna get paid by somebody. But I mean, what do you, where because we talked about this earlier in the season when McGarry was definitely more like up and down. He's coming off a pretty good stretch, maybe the best stretch of his season over these last few games. So where do you sort of stand on the Caleb McGarry debate at this point, Adnan? I don't know. Like he's he's been up and down, honestly. Like he, uh, I don't know. Like I obviously depends on um, how much it would cost. The Falcons have don't have a, a lack of cap space at all. Um, but I, I don't know. It depends on who you can get as a replacement. It's it's not an easy decision, and it's not one I envy um, our front office for. Because remember, McGarry is, you know, a, a bit older as well. Um, right. But, you know, at the same time, I think the, that will mean that he and his agent are looking for as – big of a contract as possible or as long of a contract as possible because this could be his one shot at getting, you know, legitimate, you know, big, big time money. Um, I don't know if he's coming yeah. here asking for a five-year deal of like, you know, in the 15 million plus range, then wish him the best and look elsewhere. <laughs> I, but, think, I think he's getting 15, but... I think it might be beneficial, honestly, for for both sides to do a two to three year deal because you mentioned his age, like he'll be twenty eight next year. I think it might be beneficial for him to be going into a contract year in his like age thirty season or whatever instead of in his age like thirty three season. Like, so if he does a shorter term deal, he might have a chance for another significant contract but, in his early thirties. But 30s, at the same so. time, like this is this could be a career year for him. Like he's been better this year than he has any other year. Like I just don't want a Sam Baker situation where, you know, Baker was very poor for years. And then he had that great 2012 or very good 2012. And then, you know, we were still paying his dead cap off like a couple years ago. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I I wouldn't like over, over commit so much money into or, or all that money for so many years for McGarry, but it's it's a tough it's a tough situation right now because he's not that elite breed of tackle, right? But the market will dictate that when it's your turn to get paid, and you know you have been above average, you're probably going to get that money, you yeah. know, even if you're not on that level as some of those guys. But you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll um. We'll we'll talk about this a lot more leading into March. You know, it should be a fun off season, but 
it wouldn't surprise me if they decided not to go with Caleb McGarry if they had a, a plan elsewhere. But, you know, McGarry is a guy that wasn't drafted by this regime and who has, you know, given this regime plenty of frustrations leading into this year. And he's been he's been better than you than any other year this season, but yeah, he's still not really elite. Right. And like last year he was like okay. This year I mean, his PFF grade is amazing this year, but, like, the pass protection is just where I have a concern. Like, it's been fine. Like, it's it's been, like, above average this year slightly, but it's this is the only year it's been good. Like, every other year, the pass protection has been a big problem. Obviously, he's been an elite run blocker this year. He was a very good run blocker last year, too. So, that's very important for this team in particular, but... I agree with you. Like, I think if he's asking for a five-year deal, the Falcons will not do that. They're not willing. They're not going to commit that sort of length. But I'm two to three years, maybe. Yeah. I'm very yeah. skeptical of guys who just like blow up in their contract year. Like, I'm I'm very not skeptical, but I'm very cautious. Like we saw with Dante Fowler too. Like this team got burned by Dante Fowler having yeah. that amazing last season with with the Rams. Right. Um. I don't know. I think I think that's a bit of a red flag for for you to be, you know, so poor, you know, or like below average every year, and then in your contract year you blow up, and you know, history suggests that you're more, you know, what we saw from McGarry the first three years is more likely of what you'll get long term than what you saw this year, just just dictated by sample size. Yeah, yeah, and I do. I do wonder, like, you raised a lot of good points there, and I do wonder if they consider the franchise tag because they have such an, a high amount of cap space. I wouldn't I be mean, against it. It's it's seven. It's projected to be seventeen point six million, so it's a lot. But basically, you're you're paying a premium to only have to pay him the one year guaranteed. Um, so, and you could always extend him prior to the season if you work something out. But it wouldn't shock me if the Falcons do tag him because they I don't really think anyone else is in contention to get tagged so I think it's if they do want to tag someone it's probably going to be him um and you know it might be beneficial for them to get his actual contract number down a little bit um but you know it that that might be something they consider for exactly the reason you mentioned which was that oh we want to see you do it outside of just a contract year um and a lot of people were like oh well you could have picked up his fifth year option but it's like well the fifth year option's only like what three, four million cheaper than the franchise tag. So like, you know, it's not like they would have saved that much money by doing the fifth year option either. So um it's that it's one of the more interesting conversations, one of the most interesting players. Cause there's not a ton of guys that are gonna demand a big extent. I think like maybe Zacchaeus is the other one that might like I think I feel like he's in line for maybe like a Russell Russell Gage type contract but the other thing about mcgarry is that the offense has been so suited to his strengths this year yeah yeah like you you know you're just grinding away at the run game and we always knew that mcgarry was more of a run blocker first um than, than a pass blocker like the pass protection has always been the question but he also hasn't had to pass protect in the falcons offense as much as he would in the regular offense the falcons i think still leave the league in you know, run play percentage versus pass plays. And if you, if the Falcons do move on from Mariota, which is, you know, the plan, the hope, um, to a more traditional quarterback to not having to grind the ball 
as much, you know, because that that's that's more out of necessity because the past game was so poor. Then will McGarry look as good as he has, you know, this season? Yeah. That's a good question. And he's he's also getting the benefit in the same way, you know, someone in the chat mentioned, you know, Dante Fowler had that great year playing next to Aaron Donald. Well, McGarry's gotten to play next to, next to Chris Lindstrom. So, you know. I mean, it, in fairness, Lindstrom is on the other side. Or no, no, he's on, excuse he's me. He's on the right. Yeah, he's on the right side. He's on the right side. Sorry. Or he, you could you could get yeah. on the Aaron Freeman train and convert so, Lindstrom to center, which is what, you know, Aaron Freeman's like, you know, champion. No, 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 he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not actually going to do that, but. That is funny, but yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, I do remember. Yep, yeah, my bad. That was a brain fart on my end. But <laughs> I do remember there was a. There have been guys on Twitter in the past who think that it's just easy to convert any offensive lineman to any other offensive line position, and it's just like in Madden where it's like, oh, he only lost one rating point going from yeah, yeah. right guard to left guard or right guard to left tackle, and it's like. Yeah, you know, we had Keenan Forney on the show, mm-hmm. you know, a while back, pretty much tell us that it's it's like a three month process. Yeah, you know, to you know, that's just the that's just the very beginning. Uh, yeah. Like you know, it's just three months just to to learn the position, let alone to to now like you, you know start doing it and start getting better at it. You know, against the highest level of uh, competition. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just so straightforward. It's not like in Madden where you just like change them on the depth chart. Yeah, exactly. Um, and for those interested in some of the other players, like that, you know, will the Falcons bring them back? There are four, the Falcons have four exclusive rights free agents, which for those that don't know what that means, it's that the Falcons can basically give them a, an ERFA tender, which means they have to take a minimum salary. Um, so that means that they almost always will just give these guys the tender to bring them back to training camp. And these are actually like all pretty interesting guys. Caleb Huntley is one. Um, they will be able to get him back next year for only 705k. So real cheap. Uh, so he'll be back. Uh, long snapper Liam McCullough. So, you know, that's always nice. Parker Hesse also just 705k next year. And uh, Abdullah Anderson also an ERFA. So all of those guys, most of those guys are, are pretty actually significant contributors, they'll all be back on basically minimum contracts. So that will help, certainly, the uh, the roster build up um, and, you know, give them some depth to work with for cheap, which is always a nice thing. Um, anything else specific you wanted to touch on, Adon, before we uh, wrap up tonight? I think we're already over an hour or so. Um, no, not really. I think we, I think we hit on a, a lot of things. You know, we are going into the bye week now, finally. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I all I will say is, if you're holding out to hope that the Falcons are making the playoffs, I I wouldn't. You know, just you know, I I would just like make peace with the fact that they're not. Yeah, yeah. I if they do, it would be because Ritter comes in and becomes the legend himself, and like beats the Saints, and then goes on like a three-game winning streak, and they like beat the Bucks, you know, in the, well, in the last game. Beat the Ravens in Baltimore. I mean, that's in, really in, hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, it's like sure, Lamar may not play, but Tyler Huntley's one of the better backups in the league, and you know the Ravens still have a pretty good team, you know, overall even without Lamar. But yeah, you 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 have to win in. In Baltimore, you'd have to beat the Cardinals, have to win in New Orleans, have to beat the Bucks. I don't know. It's um, 
it's it, it's a shame just because I, I was, you know, just thinking about a scenario where the Falcons go into that Week 18 game tied with the Bucks, and, you know, that's a de facto game for the division, all of 2014 against the Panthers, where it was just like a de facto, like, you know, playing game for the playoffs. The Falcons got dropped in that one. But can you just imagine the buzz around the city? And can you just imagine just how, you know, the city would be more excited for the Falcons in, in that moment, in that week, than they have been ever since 2017? I think that, you know, this could have been, you know, the shot in the arm that, that this town really needed. But yeah, it's not really going to happen because the team can't beat teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. That's that's where we sort of are, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, uh, the good news is that the Falcons are picking in the top ten now, right? Uh, and the that's probably I don't think they're going to get a lot higher than ten, to be honest with folks, because I mean it it's it's going to be tough because all the teams ahead of them are pretty bad, right? Like the Colts, maybe the Colts are are like will you know eventually end up behind the Falcons in the draft order. Uh, Arizona maybe, but like Jacksonville, Carolina, New Orleans, Los Angeles Rams, Denver, Chicago, like none of those teams are really going to be winning significantly more games. So unless the Falcons lose out, they're probably not getting higher than eight, I would say in the draft. But, um, I think 10 to 12 very much in play and that does set them up for a good selection, you know, potentially. And and to answer Robert's question, I think that the division winners will be exactly who's there now except i think the seahawks will win the nfc west over the niners and i think it'll be the niners giant the niners cowboys and washington are my picks for the wild cards yeah i think uh, i i think washington will get in over the giants yeah i agree i agree too washington's better i think washington's a better team but i think the Giants are better coach, so we'll see how we'll see who wins out. But uh, they have that huge game uh, on Sunday Night Football. I can't believe they tied. Days. That's ridiculous. A big, a uh, big rematch after that tie game. The Falcons, I think, were supposed to. There were some talks of the Falcons um, playing on Saturday against the yeah. Saints, but you know, I think had had we beaten the Steelers, that would have come to fruition. But nobody's trying to see two teams that really aren't playing for anything at this point on prime time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We got one last question from Corey with the $5. Thanks so much, Corey. Okay. This is an odd non question. Uh, he wants to know who you have winning the natty. Uh, the dogs. UGA. Yeah. That's what it's dog season. Going to destroy Ohio state. And then it'll be even easier in the final. Yeah. I feel like it, things have kind of cleaned out nicely for Georgia. <laughs> to repeat this year i think that they're they should be pretty heavy favorites uh in this one yeah, it, it, it's dog at least we have one football team that can you know that, that can win in this state so yep yep they got they have all the good juju so that's fine you know the falcons didn't need it this year anyway with the state of this roster so we'll save all the falcons juju for next year um the second part is would you still do the luca trey trade or would you go i assume the other direction <laughs> You're trying to get me into trouble right yeah. now. I, I, I plead the fifth on that one. I, 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 yeah, I can't yeah. answer that one. And he also said, I don't know what this is from. He says, if if you know, quote, how is Bob, question mark. 
Uh, from what I heard, so that's Bob Rathman, who is okay. the um, the Hawks play-by-play guy. He had a very scary situation the other uh, the other day, right before the game, where I think he passed out on set. But from what I've heard, it, they treated him for dehydration, and from all the reports that I've read, he's in he's in uh, good spirits and he's in stable condition. And you know, I I think he'll be you know he'll be back eventually but right now the most important thing is you know praying for his good health and thankfully it seems that it wasn't something more serious so you know very thankful for that that's good that's good to know never never want it to be serious uh seems like he was just you know getting really into getting really into it not not keeping up on that hydration that happens to the best of us so uh it's exciting times down there so all right, guys. Well, we do appreciate everyone for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Please do like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. If you're listening to the podcast audio, leave us that five-star review. We really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and you can check out the Patreon if you're interested in supporting us on a monthly basis. We just had a great Q&A session with Dave on Tuesday. Uh, that's up on the channel now. Uh, if you're interested in signing up for that, it's patreon.com slash live. And thank you to everyone for donating tonight to the Senior Bowl Fund. If you'd like to do that, if you're a podcast listener, for instance, and you'd like to donate and ask a question while we're off the air, just make sure you do it on Streamlabs, and we will read that on the next show. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, my co-host tonight, Adnanikic at Say Which Way. Anything you'd like to plug, Adnan, before we take off? Um, yeah, I'm writing an article just talking about the state of the NFC South. So that'll be our bi-week special or from me at, at the very least. Nice, nice. Good stuff there. Nice bi-week content, uh, guys. I am Kevin Knight F. Alcoholic Kevin. Uh, I will have some kind of free agency draft related podcast coming out on Friday. We'll see, uh, the direction I decide to go trying to decide something that will come out sort of this weekend um but uh yeah that that'll be my next piece of content but we'll be back firing on all cylinders next week for another week hate week part two uh we're gonna go all in for that because we got to circle that game that that is that is the season right now uh we gotta take down the saints we have to take down the saints and bury them at four and ten so and it's all Um, new orleans has left too so you know this It'll be a real throwback to, you know, the 80s right now and and most of the 90s. And, yep. you know, back, back when these teams were always horrible and all they had was those games against each other. Yep. All we have is to eat. All we have is each other um, in the worst way. So <laughs> let's let's go get that big dub in week 15. Hopefully Desmond Ritter comes in and gets his legendary beginning uh, where he leads this team to a victory over their most hated rivals in their home stadium in his first NFL game. Um, you know, if he does that odd non, then I'm all in on Desmond Ritter, uh, being, being the franchise quarterback. I don't need, I don't need to see anything else. So that, that's, that's the only qualification. If you can beat the saints, that's, that's half the battle right there. So, I mean, that's more than, <laughs> more than what, you know, any of our quarterbacks since, you know, Chris Chandler and Bartkowski. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point good point yeah. but uh, you know as, as great as matt ryan was and you know greatest falcon ever he could never beat the saints yeah we did struggle or with that at least not consistently not consistently yeah so it would be good if we could reverse that trend maybe desmond Ritter will take us there um all right guys thank you all so much 
for listening, watching tonight. We will see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Until then, guys, have a great night.